Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting Christmas Eve Edition. I am Richard, he's Frank, and together we do this podcast at least twice a week, sometimes more. Uh, Normally released on Tuesdays and Fridays, sometimes weekends, like today, it's Saturday. Not only is it Saturday morning, that's the other weird thing, uh, uh, Frank, is we're doing this at like uh, 10 a.m. in the morning as opposed to 10 p.m., which is our normal taping time. Everything about this episode is upside down today, including you. You are actually kind of upside down on the couch right now at Stately Mirror Manor. Yeah, I'm getting comfortable getting my feet propped up, you know, but that's what Christmas will do. Holidays. Yeah. just kind of has to be rearranged. That's right. Well, it's, uh, it, it's kind of uncharacteristically quiet over here at... Stately Mirror Manor on Christmas Eve morning. Uh, all the all the decorations, of course, are, are out, but uh, there's a notable absence of children. Normally when I come in, I encounter the three familiar faces, and then as I say, there's always one extra. Well, the one extra, she's up. She's out there hunting the dogs down. My, oh, okay. Uh, my niece. you plus one. Okay, she's But uh, the kids just stay a whole week of school where there's not any school. Uh <laughs> they're uh, not waking up so early because they're not going to bed so early. So. Yeah, no, it makes sense. The uh, Phone Booth Fighting Podcast, available, available, available at Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and uh, Podbean and all the other smaller applications. Basically, any place you can find a podcast, we want to be there with Phone Booth Fighting. You can also get it directly at phoneboothfighting.com. You can buy official Phone Booth Fighting merchandise at phoneboothfightingshop.com. Multiple styles of t-shirts in multiple colors, multiple designs, and also our vintage fight style posters are up there, uh, autographed if you like. And uh, also, please continue, as you have generously done through this holiday season, to click on the Amazon banner that is pinned at the top of our Phone Booth Fighting uh, Facebook page. It's also pinned at the top of Frank's Twitter page. And uh, if you click through that Amazon banner, do your Amazon shopping after you click through uh, that banner, and it won't cost you anything extra, but we get a small percentage on each purchase that you make, and we really appreciate that. I see you guys buying your... Uh, it was everything, uh, Frank, this season from uh, Christmas decorations to uh, heavy machinery, uh, power tools, and things like that I saw people buying. If you're going to buy it anyway, you may as well stick it to Amazon a little bit and help us out, right? Absolutely. That's the idea. Uh, Also, uh, iTunes reviews. If you uh, are on our iTunes page, uh, do us a favor. uh, Click on the five stars. Give us that five-star rating. And if you have a moment, write a favorable line or two. We like to read those reviews on the air. We were just reading a few of those on our last episode. It helps us out tremendously. It helps keep us uh, at or near the top of those iTunes rankings where we want to be. And uh, we appreciate the support. We like to share it and know you guys are out there and enjoying the show. So uh, please do that when you're over on the Phone Booth Fighting iTunes page. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, so as I said, we're getting together on Christmas Eve morning to do this episode. Another weird thing, you know, this is two Saturdays in a row that we've done uh, a Phone Booth Fighting episode. Last week, you were in Russia. 
and we did it over there, right? That was just last Saturday. Oh, okay. I was trying to think of that, but I was Yeah, the days get mixed up. Yeah, it was last Saturday, and uh, today we do Christmas Eve because um, next week uh, Frank's going to take the family and uh, go visit. Uh, where are you guys headed? Sacramento? We are. Sacramento, yeah. my wife's family. Everybody's up there, so we'll spend a week up there hanging out with the aunts and uncles and grandparents and uh, cousins and some of my wife's best friends are uh, up there doesn't mean that we won't be bringing you new phone booth fighting episodes though we'll just be doing it uh via uh skype or facetime we'll hook up with frank and uh we'll get a couple episodes taped for you guys this uh, coming week we have to do that frank because it's a big fight week ufc 207 on the horizon it's going to be going down speaking of unusually scheduled days uh, a rare Friday UFC pay-per-view. They don't want to compete with New Year's Eve, which is going to fall on Saturday a week from tonight. So UFC 207 is going to be uh, at the T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas on Friday night. I'll be there octagon side covering the fights. Uh, I'll be live tweeting uh, if you want to follow along on my Twitter feed at Richard Hunter. But more importantly, throughout the week, we will be bringing you here on Phone Booth Fighting uh, fight week updates, interviews. I'll have uh, media day audio that uh, I get for you guys while I'm out there. The one uh, thing that I won't have, Frank, presumably, is Ronda Rousey audio from media day, which will take place on Wednesday, because I got my official media schedule yesterday. Uh, when you're covering the fights, when you're credentialed for the fights, they'll send you an itinerary, usually like an itinerary over, you know, three days of fight-related activities or so, and it'll tell you, you know, here's when the press conference is, here's when the media day is, here's who's available, here's the time frame. Uh, the name that was not on there was Ron, well, two names actually, Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunez. But this is because Ronda Rousey, I guess, negotiated up front that when she made her uh, comeback fight she would not be doing any of the typical uh, media appearances. Uh, initial thoughts about that? Well, you know, it goes two ways. One, as a fighter, I think it's actually a positive side. Obviously, she's very traumatized about her last loss, doesn't want to speak about it a lot, uh, so that could distract her, and she's really just trying to focus on the fight Friday night, which she has a tough one in Amanda Nunez. So she can eliminate the distractions and the emotional uh, drain of having to relive her last knockout loss uh as a fighter it probably does her well as a star power it's horrible that just shows why she'll never compete with a conor mcgregor or some of the other superstars down the ufc um because conor got choked out by nate diaz and he still did every bit if not more uh public appearances and media and whatnot that guy walks the walk, you know, and you know, so he not only, you know, goes out there and, and fights, but he puts himself out there in a way that makes other people nervous. And that just shows you why he is who he is. And Rhonda has shown now that when the pressure is on her and, and there's negative, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, a response or image about her and, and of her being, you know, you know, she's going to have to explain. I mean, 
pretty much ever since she <laughs> got knocked out. She didn't do a post-fight interview. She just ran out of the octagon. Uh, I think she did one interview that I can think of offhand where she talked to Ellen DeGeneres, and, and that was obviously not an MMA-oriented interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she's kind of avoided the likes of yourself and the Morgans of the world because I don't think she wants to talk about the fight. I think that, that she's very insecure about that. So, again, going for as far as her as a fighter, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel that, hey, that's probably what's best for her because her mind's actually in a fragile state. Uh, if they, they can just get her into the octagon to the best chance of her winning. Uh, but as far as any kind of, you know, if I was the company saying, hey, can we build up on her shoulders? They're like, well, yes, if everything's going her way, she'll be very positive and upbeat and do all these interviews and commercials. But if she loses or she has a bad fight or a bad performance or something else goes negative in her way, then she's going to shut the doors and, you know, and uh, close up. Yeah, here's here's where I think it's tough. Um, I, I've always had both a a favorable opinion of Rhonda and personally favorable interactions with her. Um, and... I think that when you are confident slash cocky slash, you know, maybe you get that that very rare unbeatable tag attached to you, unstoppable uh, like she has. And, you know, even though I think she's had that tag even more than Conor McGregor, we talked about that in the recent weeks because, you know, Conor came to the UFC. Well, I mean, up until... Up until uh, Holly Holmes' uh, foot, right. <laughs> shin across her face, uh, there was talk about whether how she would do against uh, Mayweather in a fight. You know, right. fighting men were starting to get brought up. And I think some of, you know, uh, in our modern culture, uh, it wouldn't have been prudent for a lot of the young fighters or <laughs> in our, our the UFC to start speaking up that they would, you know, come on, give me a break. I think a, a couple tried to very nicely just try to, you know, tiptoe around it. But I mean, nowadays if you sit there and go, oh, that is completely ludicrous. She would get stomped by anybody who even has a UFC contract, let alone a, uh, uh, you know, a top 10 ranking. You, you would be, you know, demonished for it. Oh, men, you're talking. Yeah, yeah the right. men mm-hmm. would be just completely mm-hmm. just, you know, you don't say those things, allow her. And then I think that that kind of put it to quiet. So, I mean, that just shows you how much momentum she had. People weren't even talking about her being unbeatable when it came to women. That was like a foregone conclusion that no female could beat her. But right. now, you know, how many of the champions could she beat on the men's side? And I was like, whoa, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, guys. Yeah, so I, what, I, I, what I was going to say, though, is that I think when you do get all of that, uh, you know, um, uh, you get the superhero status, let's say, and you fall. You know, you, you get beat. Um, that now you're poised for a really hard fall unless you handle it a certain way. And that's where the Conor McGregor analogy comes back into play. Because, he, yeah, even though Conor had a couple of losses, we'd never seen it in the UFC, and he was, you know, brash and cocky, and he can beat anybody and all that sort of thing. But when he lost to Nate, there was a real question for a moment of, 
wow, is all the you know did this kill the hype? You know, is this going to be the end of that? Is uh, he, he now still dressed up in his that's suit? That's my showed point. up at the press. That's conference. right. That's exactly right. And it was it was immediately apparent. First of all, he was he was humble in defeat. You know, he gave Nate credit, yeah. but when he came back. It wasn't, uh, you know, I got robbed or, you know, any kind of thing like that. I didn't tap. It was, okay, that sucked, uh, but I'm going to be back, you know, stronger than ever. In and- fact, he didn't just credit to the fact that Nate's jiu-jitsu was better than his. He even said that his energy, economy, emotion, he essentially was saying that in its entirety, Nate was having a better night than he was. Yeah. He, goes, he kept using the word energy, if I remember correctly. You know, his energy is, you know, so basically his economy of motion, that he was, you know, more fluid in, in how he was uh, ministering his tax on his feet. Where I've seen that too, where guys have lost. I'm like, well, you know, you beat me with jujitsu, but you mm-hmm. couldn't beat me face to face punching me. And that mm-hmm. wasn't what was said. And, yeah. and, and actually, out of all the things, that raised my stock and respect on uh, Connor immensely. Because, you know, hey, when you're on a winning streak, it's easy to go out and face the cameras. But here you have the Conor McGregor, who's the, you know, the featherweight champ, you know, on top of the world. He goes against choked out by Nick Diaz. He taps. It's one of the most you know, humiliating things to do in our sport. And he walks in fully dressed, ready to go into the press conference, not making excuses. I mean, he really took it on the chin and just stood there and goes, well, you know, this is part of doing it. And that. That just shows again why Connor gets paid what he gets paid, yeah. and why Rhonda is you know that, that that it's a shortcoming in her as far as trying to reach those upper echelons of, mm-hmm. of the Connor McGregor stardom. I can see now if you, anybody you know two or three years ago if you want to draw comparisons, I would have said Rhonda was winning, and now obviously it's not even close. And I don't even foresee it ever to be able to be close because how she's handled her defeats and how he's handled his defeats. And let's face it, in the UFC, you're going to stumble. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it seems like where he didn't, not only didn't miss a beat, stepped on the gas. Yeah, you, know? you said and, that. We were yeah, talking I mean, about that. I feel like I've seen him more <laughs> and yeah. heard more from him. He in, definitely did in, not hide. You know, in the, <laughs> the, in the last opposite. year. But, so, but the thing with Rhonda is I, I thought for a long time with her that uh, because her, her mainstream popularity had not come you know, recently before the Holly Holm defeat. I mean, this had been building for quite a while. She'd been in the Expendables movie, and she'd been doing the mainstream talk shows and all that kind of thing. So so for a time, and I think I remember even talking to her about this, that for so many people, the, the outside distractions in any sport uh, can can become a problem when it comes to, you know, uh, losing your focus. But it seemed like for her, for at least quite a while, that she was beating the odds with that. And I, I think she does deserve some credit there because she did keep that going for a fairly lengthy period of time before it finally happened. Now, part of that might have been, I don't know uh, if it was affecting her focus prior to that, but maybe the opponents she was taking on just weren't quite the the challenge that Holly Holm was, and it became uh, you know bad timing, bad opponent, uh, you know, a perfect storm of bad circumstances kind of thing to set up for her defeat. But I will say that I think that when that sort of thing happens, just like the Connor loss, when the Ronda loss happens, one of two things is going to happen. If you uh, uh, don't hide and, and, in fact, just try to make yourself even more present like Connor did, 
you know, Con- even though Connor is so cocky and uh, is so brash, I think the fact that he walks the walk in addition to talking the talk is the thing that everybody. Uh, I think that's his. That's his. Um, his insulation. You know, I think that's his shield. Is the fact that you look at it and you go, "What am I going to say about this guy?" I mean, yeah, he's uh, he he's he's outlandish in his comments, but he sure does back it up. But I think that those types of people, when you see them fall, if you see them retreat in some manner, especially for a year like it's been, and then when they do come back. Rather than you know be in the media and go okay guys I'm you know I'm back I I know it's been a year uh, I needed that year I got to get myself together or whatever but who's got the first question you know I'm excited to get back to work Friday night when you come back from a year but still kind of appear to be at least at a distance in that dark mental place I think that's where people tend to sort of abandon your ship and go oh well now I'm you know now I, I kind of maybe won't mind seeing the the fall of this this person who collapsed under their own weight. And and speaking as like a, <clears throat> if I was coaching Amanda Nunez and we're looking over across the way at a, at Ronda and and trying to figure out okay what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, I think the first sign that things the first apparent sign to myself and to others that were watching was how she uh, handled the weigh-ins. Ronda Rousey, when she weighed in with Holly Holm, she was stuttering. She was so emotionally worked up. And what appeared to be something that was uninstigated. Yeah, it was confused. kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Like right. I'm like, you know. <clears throat> the whole thing about Holly Holm being fake. Yeah. Like and, no know, one had ever really said that. No, right? and I mean, I've hung out. I mean, not that I've ever had dinner at their house, but yeah. being in the gyms and stuff and, and, and hanging out there with Holly and, and looking over at her, talking and interacting with people, her being fake would definitely be a far stretch of my imagination. But right. really – I don't know. I kind of think what you see is what you get. You know, she's just, you know, the preacher's daughter is a, a great nickname for her because she's just a soft-spoken, very gentle mm-hmm. spirit, unless you're locked in the octagon with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, just pleasant person to be around. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing, you know, um, if anything, I mean, you could have maybe said she's a little vanilla and it could mm-hmm. be boring, you know. Mm-hmm. If you were trying to nitpick and find something negative about her, mm-hmm. there's no secret life that, you know, we're not going to find her wrecking her car and running out with <laughs> drugs right. and whatnot. I mean, that's just I, not her. I would be like, <clears throat> I would be like, she doesn't comprehend the fallacy of supply-side economics. <laughs> and so, okay. Uh uh, oh, that's right, because that's her political views threw right. off a little bit. That's right. right. But um, I don't know if that's exactly a soundbite. I don't know if Sports Center plays that when we're doing our face off, but that's <laughs> the one I'm going with. But uh, uh, where was I going with this stuff? <laughs> that she kind of, you were saying, if you were oh, coaching for, Amanda Nunez. Right, and you for saw Ronda Rousey. Kind of so, right. so I'm sitting there going, okay, she handled that last fight bad. And, you know, hey, a common thing with psychology is uh, exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid to go and drive, you know, across, you know, uh, the desert, 
will start driving as far as you can until you can't handle it anymore and chill out, relax, come back. And you can't constantly expose yourself to whatever you're afraid of. I've seen yeah. people do, you know, you're afraid, deathly afraid of, uh, you know, an overwhelming fear of snakes, you know, mm-hmm. or just, you know, it's okay, well, here's a picture of a snake. Can you touch the picture? Okay, we're going to put a, there'll be a snake inside of a, a fish tank. You know, you're going to walk up to the glass and, mm-hmm. you know, and try to build up a healthy, obviously, you know, the, the right snake is, is, is rightfully to be afraid of. But, you know, and you try to acclimate yourself by exposing yourself to what you're afraid of. Yeah. So Rhonda had a horrible experience her last fight, starting from the weigh-ins. She takes a year off. It's going to be almost 13 months yeah. <clears throat> by the time she fights again. And then she's now withdrawing. So I'm looking at it going, guys, she's going to jump out in the first 90 seconds. It's going to be held to high water. I mean, she's going to come after us. It's going to be just insane, you know, the fury that she's going to unleash in the first 30 seconds. And then she's going to die off and go ahead and just lock up with her and let the enormity of the moment sink in that she's in the fight again there's people cheering and the possibility that she could lose is still there and i think she'll freeze and lock up i think that that if i was her i'd even say that to her i'd make sure amanda nunez's english is good enough to sit there and go you're gonna lose just that whisper in her ear in the middle of the fight after about a minute of going nuts yeah i think is going to freak her out because again she's avoiding all these things to lead up to the fight but you can't avoid the fight. All that in the back room is going to happen. So maybe that's what's best for her. But I think as a fighter, it's good to have you know, all those distractions leading up to the fight. Do you think it's weird that – because the other side of this is that Ronda Rousey isn't on the media schedule, but neither is Amanda Nunez. They're not having her at the, uh, at the media events either. And what's strange to me about that is – Missed um, opportunity. Well, for her, sure. For I mean, Amanda I, Nunez, huge missed opportunity. I, I would be stunned if I found out that she was given the option and decided not yeah, to do it. Yeah, when you this first told me before the like, show started, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I, I think what happened was, you know, Amanda Nunez caught wind that Ronda Rousey does not want to face the media mm-hmm. and talk about Holly Holm mm-hmm. leading up to this fight uh, Friday night. And so... They looked over, you know, so when Amanda Nunez found out her corner, her camp, they made the decision, well, if she's not going to be obligated to be waking up or going here, then we're not going to be obligated to do that, too. And I think that would be a knee-jerk reaction and be like, well, if you don't got to go, we don't, we're not going to go. Because if you're going to be in the room relaxing and focusing, we're going to be in the room, you know, relaxing and focusing. And I'm like, no, guys, this is a phenomenal opportunity to, one, increase your own star power. I mean, this is the biggest stage Amanda Nunez has been on, you know, defending her title against the biggest female star in our sport. Yeah. You know, huge opportunity to to propel her stardom. And then also, too, as far as the psychological warfare leading up to the fight, I mean, how much better to go up there as a champ, sit there and go, pointed an empty chair and go well where's my challenger she don't even have the balls to show up here you know what i mean she just, she has no heart you know you could sit there and go uh, you could say whatever you want to say because the other person left the door open right. you're not there to defend yourself it's like hey we're gonna have a debate great when are you showing up i'm not we're gonna have a debate and you're not gonna be there yeah you could put anybody's name on the chair in front of me if they're not showing up i can say whatever i want to say and you can't contest it yeah you think about all the opportunities she could have now now 
know this about Amanda Nunez. She's not inherently a trash talker. This isn't exactly Betch Cohea here, uh, who's uh, you know gonna 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 get on the mic and um, and and talk trash uh, in uh, you know instinctively. But that being said, oh, but she could talk trash. I mean, again, Matt, if I was in her corner, you know how you talk trash? Be like, look, I'm really disappointed that you know somebody who's built the sport the way they have is not here to give me my opportunity that I'm champion and mm-hmm. show me the respect mm-hmm. to be out here and give to you the fans and you know another opportunity to get to know us yeah. and bring attention to this bout instead she's chosen to just go you know up in her room and 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 you know she could be do it from a humble point of view to where you mm-hmm. sit there and really turn people against her you know mm-hmm. and, and that's what i would be trying to do because i'm like look when ronda rousey walks out i want people to boo if I was Amanda Nunez's corner, because like let that sink in for a second. That yeah. not only did you lose, but that's what you lost is the the uh, endearment of the fans, and that would I think even more psychologically crush her. Man, if I was Amanda Nunez's corner, I think I could manipulate it to a way that Ronda would have to be dragged out to the octagon because psychologically she just she's just an open wound. I would go the passive aggressive route, just like you, you like with your, uh, with your exposure therapy, you know, I maybe would be up there with a photo of myself saying, listen, let's start with this. I mean, we've only got three days to work through this, but if somebody can get her this photo of me and just allow her to be around the photo where she's not spooked, and then maybe, you know, <laughs> later on today, see if she can just touch the photo. That's clever. Just like walking that. through, you know, and then, and then, you know what, I'll, you can put me, you can put me in a fish tank. Uh, <laughs> Where she can, you know, with a barrier of uh, of protection, and just start laying that stuff on because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like two two levels, right? Yeah, number one, huge missed opportunity for somebody who, even though they are the the reigning uh, women's hundred thirty five pound champion, is largely unknown to the general public. I mean, we talked uh, last uh, episode about the fact that Amanda Nunez is virtually absent from any of these promos that are running the commercials. You know, it's all about the Ronda Rousey comeback. Uh, And so it would be nice to see Amanda Nunez take advantage of that opportunity. But also, you know, Ronda is going to hear about this stuff somehow, some way word will get back. I mean, uh, Amanda Nunez, I saw her uh, TMZ stopped her at the airport and she was talking about the fact that she had noticed that Rhonda had blocked her on Instagram. So she couldn't even see, I guess at one time she followed her. So it's like she couldn't even, wouldn't be exposed to things she was posting on Instagram about training or whatever. So I would just be using all of those things, one, to acquaint people with who I am, but two, like you said, to engage in that kind of psychological warfare because I think that if people don't know where to come down right now on, you know, am I rooting for Rhonda to to come back and win? Am I rooting against her this time? I don't know. It's this kind of thing that plays into the fans' minds, you know, and and we're, we also have to remember that a lot of these people are casual fans. A lot of these people may be seeing Amanda Nunez for the first time. I'll give you an example. When Ronda and Misha coached against each other on The Ultimate Fighter, you know who that did the most good for was Misha Tate. Because not only did a lot of people not know her, uh, the more casual fan, but they also are seeing this kind of, I mean, Ronda's going to have a different perspective on this in terms of uh, the way that that season went. But Misha came off as the more, hey, let's go, let's go have cupcakes kind of girl. And Rhonda came across as the like taking everything personally and, you know, having to be separated from 
uh, you know, even like during the coaches <laughs> challenge, you know, just, uh, 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 you know, uh, being in Misha's face, uh, about the, the defeat of it and that kind of thing. And I think to a lot of people, when you looked at the two personalities, they were like, oh my gosh, Rhonda's polarizing here and this Misha Tate seems like the girl next door. So I think that benefited her in that way. It did. It just, it, Rhonda again, just it, the more now that, you know, at first I thought maybe who, you know, it might have been, you know, bad opponent and a lot of emotions, you know, between, you know, she was dating Travis Brown or still dating Travis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his girlfriend was alleging physical abuse. So that was yep. becoming, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, coming to the surface, uh, the fallout between her mother and her Edmund, Edmund was yeah. becoming an issue. You know, Edmund running into financial problems with the IRS, uh, claiming that he had no income for yeah. a, a year or two of the uh, Ronda Rousey's fights. It's like, okay, you know, so I think that was coming to a head. Certain things that were going to be hard to you know, articulate and, and, and jump through these hoops. And so, you know, she lost And now, especially the way she's handling the media leading up to this fight and, and everything you keep telling me about blocking Amanda from, you know, Instagram makes you wonder just how strong she is mentally. And was her success as a fighter because she is a good all-around fighter or because it's like the Hoist Gracie syndrome? Where, you know, Hoist didn't have to be a phenomenal fighter, but he had a skill set that nobody else had. Mm. It'd be like if, you know, you know, you transported me back 200 years ago in boxing. It's like, you know, a boxer nowadays, even if he's an unknown, would destroy the boxers then because of this, the different training. And, 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 and so now, you know, it's like, well, she had a phenomenal arm bar and her ground game was just on a different level than everybody. So it, it made it to where the technique was so vastly different that she was able to win fights fairly easily. Um, you know, the only tough fight that she's been in was Misha Tate, if, you know, going back now I'm thinking about it. And Misha Tate's not known as somebody that's a hard hitter. She's more, you know, survivalist that can grind yeah. through and then, you know, and eventually maybe get a submission or just, you know, overwhelm you with pressure. But not, you know, I don't think did Amanda or did Misha ever knock out anybody in the UFC? I've pulled up the record, but I don't think so. I've had. I mean, so you know, and then we see you know Ronda get into the fight with Holly Holm, where she was pressured. And she broke apart, you know, uh, she just, you know, just kept running forward and, and looked bad, you know, tripping, falling into the cage, um, you know, had no ability to adjust, kind of turned her brain off. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of the critics are wondering about her mental fortitude, but damn, she's not doing much to try to quelch any of those those uh, statements that mentally she's just not on the same level as she is as physically. The answer to your question is no. Uh, she did not ever knock anybody out in the UFC. In fact, you would have to go back to her KO head kick of Sarah Oiza in Cage Sport USA in 2009 uh, to find her last knockout. Um, yeah, that's, no. But, you know, I, I, I just to, to punctuate the, the take on, on Ronda Rousey, I just, I, I guess I, I always think, from my limited interaction with her, that it doesn't have to be this way. And maybe it does. Maybe that's my naivete. Maybe I just don't know enough about her personality. But I know how people sort of, you know, I, I've seen it in, in media where it's like where, where 
people almost kind of fear dealing with her, you know, and I've never feared that. I, I find that she is the kind of person that she doesn't have time for nonsense. So, um, you know, if, if you're going to ask her if it's, uh, uh, hard to be a female fighter and date, or if she abstains from sex for a week before the fight, or I mean, she's gonna she's gonna probably be irritated by you. But if she knows or can tell that you know what you're talking about, then usually um, she's at least in my uh, interactions with her, she's always been fine. I've had long interviews with her, and then also um some you know just a couple of personal conversations that were outside of a of a a media setting and that sort of thing and i found her to be very likable and and smart and uh i just i don't know i guess i see my interaction with somebody like that and i just think well gosh all this doesn't have to play out this way you know no you're right because i mean i've hung out with her in the gym and stuff training with travis she's tagged along and yeah her personality is not exactly what she portrays no. to the media. And I wish that somehow if she has it in her head or somebody put it there that she has to come off as this brash, uh, you know, cocky, you know, uh, angry, almost mm. female that you're in the man's world of fighting. And it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe that was what it took to get there. But I think now if she were to just peel back the layers and expose herself for she's just actually a pretty sweet person who's laid back, you know, uh, you know, that is competitive when it's time to be competitive, but when it's not time can turn the switch off. I think that would be a much more interesting. And, and I think people would probably adhere to her more because it's more true to her nature. And I noticed the more true people are to who they are mm-hmm. in their uh, public image, I feel the more people are more uh, inclined to embrace it. This may just get back to the, you know, the whole aspect of it's It's easy for me to say all those things, maybe from my perspective, but, you know, I I was not, I did not have the upbringing of the, the, the prodigy approach to, uh, you know, like her, or, uh, I don't know, a Tiger Woods or somebody like that. I mean, you know, if, if, if dad wants you to be the world's greatest golfer, uh, that means you're going to be having to play golf uh, a whole lot more than the average person. And because of that, you're uh, not going to have all the same social interactions that, you know, the average person's going to have and things like that. So maybe you just, you're a little limited in your experience. When you see somebody be so world-class at one thing, it's kind of hard to realize that they might actually have to be playing catch up in some other just common areas for the average person. I see that in John Jones. Yeah. You know? Well, and then, but I mean, I think Rhonda just, if you wanted to embrace it, she has the opportunity and the means to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she couldn't have grown up less exposed to the media than, than, than uh, uh, Connor did, you know. Connor grew yeah. up in Ireland, and from what I understand, some pretty rough neighborhoods that you know that definitely were not any, uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a Hollywood Boulevard, <laughs> right? And so, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know why the misconnect, you know. If but but then again, I'm not a woman trying to compete in a man's sport, so a lot of times my judgment I kind of leave off to like, well, you know, I'm not walking in her shoes. I don't know the entirety of the situation. So, you know, I, I guess I cut a lot of slack there. I just, uh, 
from the outside see where there's so many missed opportunities and can point out like, wow, I wish that, you know, that she could display this side or I wish this connection could be made there. And, and you would think that, you know, Rhonda working with, uh, you know, the different uh, agencies and whatnot she has on the, uh, the movie and the other mediums besides fighting would give her opportunities to work with, uh, you know, coaches and whatnot that could show her how to actually, you know, address the public in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, uh, divide them from her. Yeah, and she has done uh, the, I think she did another Ellen appearance and maybe Conan O'Brien. She's done a couple of the big talk shows. And, you know, those are probably going to be the kinds of of media opportunities that big agencies like that are going to be more used to dealing with. Um, uh, you know, during fight week, it's a little more MMA-centric. I mean, the ESPN will be there and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the... It does seem that that's the media that she wants to, to run from. Yeah, maybe the ones who are going to be asking technical questions about the you know the the breakdown of the Holly Holm fight and things like that, right? I mean, uh, you're not going to get that from Ellen DeGeneres, I no. guess. And you know, I think that uh, yeah, it seems like that that's that's her. Like I said earlier, her open wound and mm. and just going everything we're saying again. Manda Nunez just. What a missed opportunity to take advantage of the media that she could have received mm-hmm. because inherently that would have been a storyline that if Amanda goes up on stage right now and does an interview and, and Rhonda's there with her, Amanda's name probably gets lost in the shuffle. But the fact that Rhonda's not there, she's attached her name to it, and that's what it is. Rhonda's absence, Rhonda the champion's there, and that's going to be something that's going to be spoken about. And it's going to get her, you know, a few seconds of a sound bite or an interview on an ESPN, and that's only going to propel her career more. So, uh, you know, you know, Rhonda did what she did, but Amanda too. It's like, well, you know, you really could have won this, and now you just kind of threw in a draw. Do you think? And I'm just speculating. Do you think that the UFC maybe had it in their mind? And again, I, I would be surprised to find out that Amanda Nunez electively decided to stay away from the media day as well could be wrong maybe she did but but let's say the ufc just went to her and said hey listen we're not going to have either one of you there uh because ron is not wanting to do it do you think that the ufc could have considered the the possibility that if Rhonda, as she had negotiated prior, is not going to be involved in media day, if we, the UFC, let Amanda Nunez get up there and we let her say some things and we let that dominate the headlines, that that will affect Rhonda Rousey negatively and we're actually going to protect Rhonda from that potentially a little bit by not having that opportunity going forward? Because the UFC wants Rhonda Rousey in a good mental place. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they because um, do you see I, what I'm saying? No, I I see it. Um, I don't know if the UFC would want that headline that they're biased by asking. Oh, uh, oh, they wouldn't want it to get out. No, I'm not saying they would. But they, how, they mean, would say it publicly. You know, <laughs> it's the Brazilians. It's going to sneak out. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing I've learned about the Brazilian crew. <laughs> yeah. Very hard to keep a secret amongst. <laughs> well, sure, but but they don't they don't tell her that is what I'm saying. To her, they'll just go, "Hey, you know what? We're going to we want you guys to oh, okay, be equal. Yeah, yeah. We want both you guys to be equally rested and everything, but in their minds what they're thinking is No, you actually, know, I agree with that. I think that you're right. Yeah. I think if they were like, "Shit, she doesn't want to be here." Okay, well, let's tell Amanda too and they're just hoping that Amanda bites on it to go okay yeah you're right if she doesn't have to get up at six in the morning to right. do call-ins i'm not getting up at six in the morning to do call-ins yeah the ufc probably sees a, a not much of an upside to amanda nunez coming out talking all the trash that getting to ronda rousey and then ronda rousey shows up and looks like she was not prepared right and then i think so much even if you sit there and go we're going to keep uh let's say somehow you completely uh, separate Rhonda from anything being said. You can keep her in a bubble. Well, at the weigh-ins, that bubble's going to pop. So if Amanda has a whole week of doing interviews, can get the crowd on her side, yeah. and now you have Rhonda walking out to the weigh-ins to a crowd that's mixture of boos and cheers, you know, shit, you have somebody who very apparently is holding on <laughs> by a, a thread, her, her sanity to be able to go out and compete, you know, and, and you might just completely snap it, and you might have the first time ever that the fighter doesn't even, after the weigh-in, she says, screw it, I don't want to fight. Mm, wow, that that would be uh, a dramatic turn of events. Let's uh, Let me ask you then uh, th- th- this one more question here. Do you think it normally, when we talk about um, fighter styles matchups, Amanda Nunez in any other situation I think would look like a bad matchup for Ronda Rousey because Amanda Nunez comes out quick, hard, tries to swarm you. That's exactly where Ronda Rousey wants you. She wants to tie up with you, and that's where the judo comes in, right? That would be the normal Ronda Rousey MO. But in this circumstance, after being out for a year and after your last second in the octagon being knocked unconscious, basically – do you think it's a bad thing for Rhonda that she's facing an opponent who could very well come right at her like a like a freight train as opposed to somebody who's going to maybe give her those couple of minutes of just you know getting acclimated to being back in the octagon. Well, you know what I think that the reason why she's getting a title shot is because her future in the sport admittedly and I think the UFC realizes is very precarious. They don't know if she's going to even fight on. So might as well give her an opportunity to fight a champion because, you know, Ronda's still a very talented fighter. You know, she still has decent power in her hands. Um, Obviously, her throws and her arm bar is still world-class and very formidable. So she's not a given that Amanda Nunez is going to win Friday night. And so it's an opportunity for uh, uh, Ronda to win. But Ronda right now being so mentally disabled, her facing anybody right now is a risk. So do you risk her going and fighting somebody and building her back up who's a top, you know, 10 competitor, but at the very low end of that ranking? And Ronda still could go ahead and just choke and just have a hard time mentally pulling the trigger or just be off and go out there and suffer another loss. And how do you explain that loss? Um, and, and for sure, she would probably, if she's contemplating retirement already, she goes and loses to a, a, a no-name, essentially, um, 
a gimme match, she's mm. done. She's going to, you know, it's over with. The Ronda Rousey show is is history. Um, but at least a, a fight with Amanda Nunez, there's an opportunity that she could win it. And I think if she does lose, at least the narrative isn't as bad. She goes off into retirement losing to Amanda Nunez. You know, uh, I guess that's something we haven't really talked about too much. She goes and gets dismantled Friday night. Is that the last we ever see of her? Yeah. I 100% agree. If if it's a dismantling, yes. I mean, if it's closely contested and, you know, split decision or something like that, it's debatable, point, maybe not. I just hope not. that she doesn't say too much to really tarnish her legacy. You know, mm. she walks out there and tries to stand toe-to-toe with Amanda Nunez, who has her on reach and speed and punches hard, mm-hmm. um, goes out there and just gets her face punched in. I don't want her to say anything about, like, I can't do this. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, my face or my brain or mm-hmm. anything that just sounds like cowardice, that would, uh, that would, that's, I'm so, if she loses, I'm hoping that if she can't say something right, then she needs to bolt again from the octagon and just, you know, take off. Yeah. How weird would it be if, like, the last comment we really heard from her was, courtesy of Ellen DeGeneres like a month or two ago you know what I mean like maybe that's the last time she ends up talking about fighting if something like that happens because you're not even getting a post-fight interview that would be really weird well uh it all uh, goes down Friday night uh now we'll do a, a, a you know an actual X's and O's breakdown of the card because there's other great fights on there the co-main between Cody Garbrandt Dominic Cruz of course that's some other fights fight. yeah not wait to see that fight I too I just I texted Justin Buckholtz this morning to see if uh maybe we could get him on at some point uh this week of course the uh the head coach over at Team Alpha Male the talk. that's been a very busy week for Team Alpha Male the yeah. 10 days or so uh that they've had up in Sacramento so uh anyway um so we'll do that uh, later this week, but I'll just ask you quickly, do you already have it in your head, Frank, as to who you think wins that fight between Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunez? Yeah, I'm going for the Amanda Nunez. I think mm. that, um, you know, she's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Very solid ground game. <clears throat> I think that um, in the past she's been shown to be out-wrestled and grinded down, but uh, Ronda has no wrestling game. Uh, her takedowns are... are Judo takedowns, leg trips, throws, but her changing levels and shooting a double. Um, I, I think her knees are too messed up from judo that, you know, it hurts her to do so in practice. And I don't see that she's tried to just bite on the bullet and get through it. And so um, if they clinch, I think that Amanda is going to do the exact same thing that Holly did and just shake out of it and back out. Right. And that is impossible, you know, to throw anybody who's backing away from you. Because that was Holly's deal. I mean, before that, everybody remembers the last thing they remember, of course, is the head kick. But prior to that, Ronda just could not get a hold of her. Holly, like you said, was shaking off those yeah. takedowns. You just attempts. back up and then back up to the cage. And if you yeah. put your back against the cage, you can't be tossed in a head and arm. And, and <clears throat> Ronda has a good head and arm, but. You don't see it work on the men's side because mm-hmm. most men don't lock their knees, stick their butt up in the air, and drive forward uh, and, and get tossed. And so, you know, um, I think uh, now the bag's out, you know, the cat's out of the bag. I, I think that if you watch the Holly fight, it's like, oh, well, you know, if I don't want to get thrown, I can fight uh, the best thrower and you know in the world and if mm-hmm. you lock up with me and can't call stalling yeah and i can just back up well shit i'm gonna put my hands on the hips back away and and 
and, and keep moving my center of gravity back. So every time you try to jump in with your hips, I'm already back another six inches, another foot. It, it, it's, it's impossible. That's why in wrestling or in judo, you get called for it. You can't disengage. You can't back up. You can't essentially stall because they realize that that kind of defeats all the techniques. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to drive in on somebody, you know, catch them pushing. So you push on me. I push back. That exchange is when a throw occurs. And so I, I see this being a kickboxing match. And, you know, Rhonda is a powerfully built human being, so she hits hard. So the times that she's thrown and had quick knockouts with the knee to the body over uh, Sarah McMahon, uh, you know, Carrera, she had, the, you know, the punch knockout. But those now looking at it are not because she's technically superior. because two people were just throwing and she landed. Um, when she fought a technically superior fighter, and it didn't end up in a lucky shot happening. Um, she got demolished in Holly Holm. And so Amanda Nunez is the technically superior striker. So unless a fluke shot happens, which could occur, um, if they end up fighting a kickboxing match that stays in kickboxing realm, yeah. how can, you know, Rhonda doesn't have the skill set to do that, to, to compete in that area. Well, uh, let's talk about the other big story coming out of the women's side of the UFC this uh, last couple of days, which is the USADA flagging of Chris Cyborg Justino. Uh, Frank, uh, Cyborg has been notified by USADA that she tested positive for a diuretic called spironolactone. Ever heard of that one? No, new to me. Spironolactone. Um it is uh, a diuretic that, uh, you know, of course, along with a lot of the, the diuretics comes with the, the suggestion or the possibility that that could be used to mask other things. She said that she has been taking this under the care of a doctor because of these uh, horrific weight cuts that she's gone through in the past that she's still trying to uh, heal up from those weight cuts and had the... Um, uh, had been given it uh, to her by a doctor. Now the the this irony out of competition. Uh, yeah, yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, talk about the rebounding back and forth. A doctor might tell you that okay, losing a significant amount of weight is unhealthy, but gaining a significant amount of weight, you know, hydrating up that mm-hmm. much if your percentage of your body weight is probably unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So as far as just you know maintaining a certain amount of health, I mean. For her taking the diuretic out of competition, it does lead me to believe that it's only for medical reasons. Because if she took it, you know, a couple of days before the fight, well, then she's using it to cut weight, mm-hmm. and that could be an advantage to help her make a weight class that she shouldn't be in. I, all the arguments ensue, you know, obviously. Uh, but out of competition, cutting weight or you know having a diuretic is not going to add to her athletic performance. You know, I mean, that's why out of competition drug use taking a PED two months before a fight, it's like, well, the fight's two months away. You're like, yeah, but the strength and healing I build up now is going to benefit me, you know, two months from now. But a diuretic that I take two months before a fight is going to do shit for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, unless someone wants to correct me and be like, well, if you're taking a diuretic, it raises this, raises that. I mean, as far as I know, the only athletic cheating you can do with a diuretic is to use it to make weight i think some people are gonna uh maybe suggest to that that it could be used as a masking agent for something else if she had been taking something now i mean what would it mask 
but steroids. I mean, I think that's the that's the that's the generic answer. Now, specifically, I don't know, but I think that's something they always bring up with the diuretics. I here's the irony of it, though. Apparently, if she had asked for an exemption for this, she could have been granted one. Like this is something that they'll actually give you an exemption to use if a doctor can show that you need this. So oh. it may have just been that she didn't bother to do it. I this gets back to so if you get an exemption for something means that obviously that they don't feel that it gives that much of an advantage. Mm-hmm. So it, it really falls in that gray area. Yeah. And I understand that, that the suspension that she may be subjected to is uh, a year versus the two years. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm still not real clear on why sometimes it's one year and sometimes it's two. Uh, it might have to do with, <laughs> with, yeah, I know. But, uh, uh, it sounds like that, that that may be the extent of what she's facing. But, you know, this gets back to my thing about just kind of being surprised when these types of things uh, are not preemptively handled by a camp. And what I mean is like uh, an exemption for something like this. If you can have that, like, why isn't that someone's job to make sure that these things are being done? somebody's job in that camp yeah especially the fact that you're getting a prescription from a doctor yeah you know that that's i mean you're taking a drug from a pharmacy how's that not going to show up on a drug test how about this one frank how about the person who's in charge let's say you have a designated person in charge in your camp uh that is is in charge of monitoring that kind of stuff why isn't that person coming along with you on a doctor's visit i mean if if at all possible well i mean on top of that, knows what you're taking. You would think that now. I mean, if I was a manager in the in nowadays time in the UFC, I would have all my fighters. Hey guys, go ahead and just take a few seconds. Send me an email. Could you list anything medications, medicines, and shit that you're taking? Right. I mean, that's not far fetched. I don't think people. I mean, it's not like we're 60 years old and you know lit an unhealthy life and have 15 different you know yeah you know, pills we have to take every day. I mean, you know, you'll have Adderall or, you know, maybe some, you know, uh, pills like that, you know, uh, birth control pills for the women you think you'd be kind of on because, you know, those are hormone pills. And I wonder mm-hmm. if what could fall or couldn't fall under uh, USADA, you know, and mm-hmm. then get that. And then now you can go ahead and just go from there. Yeah. it, it That's, like that's if, you the, if you fill a prescription, Put down that prescription. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of been the big revelation to me is that um, uh, I, I think that, that this kind of stuff is just uh, camps and fighters are way more lackadaisical about it than you than you might initially think. Um, now, the other thing with her is this is going to be the second time around in terms of the accusation. I mean, you know, the first time this happened outside of the UFC, it was in uh, Strike Force when she had popped positive before. What she popped for then? That was a steroid. That was like denosolol or, you know, one of those. I mean, like a straight-up steroid. And admitted, you know, she, she said, look, I, you know, made a mistake doing this. And that was that was a number of years back. But still, uh, you know, it's it's in the in the general sense, it's going to be pointed out that this is the second time around. Now, I think also then this is not going to uh, 
probably fall in her favor this circumstance. You know, Dana White is pointing out, and we talked about it uh, when this fight was made, this featherweight title fight. We talked about it a week or so ago, the featherweight title fight, the inaugural fight that's being made between Holly Holm and uh, uh, Jermaine Durandami, uh, that uh, Cyborg had turned down that fight. Here's what Dana told TMZ. He said, um, I made three attempts to get Cyborg to fight in the uh, featherweight division. First of all, I was offering her fights at 145 pounds. First fight, she said, uh, first fight, she had eight weeks to get ready. Second fight, she had 11 weeks to get ready. And third fight, she just turned down, and I thought that was very strange. So she was turning down all these fights, not so strange now. So Dana's saying, well, now maybe this kind of makes sense. If she knows or if she knew she was taking something, then she's not accepting these fights when they're being offered. Or a less sinister uh, thought that just struck my mind is maybe she really is facing some health problems. Yeah. I mean, if she's having to take something from a doctor who's obviously addressing her medical issues, you know, uh, you know, uh, retaining extra fluid. You know, that's not a healthy thing. That's dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, people start, you know, uh, having heart difficulty breathing, your blood pressure skyrockets. I mean, high blood pressure stroking out, you know, having a you know heart attack. Uh, so I'm wondering if it wasn't so much she was worried about this drug test is if she just genuinely has medical issues right now from forcing her body to make a weight class that she shouldn't have made. And now she's suffering the repercussions of it. And so, I mean, I think the UFC probably would rather have that narrative that she failed the drug test. She knew she was going to fail it. Then, well, we have an athlete now who is gravely suffering from weight cutting. And I don't think they want that narrative. Yeah. Because, I mean, that seems pretty apparent. I mean, if you go to a doctor and they're able to subscribe uh, prescribe something um <laughs> you probably really have it i don't think many doctors nowadays i mean any physicians i deal with aren't really uh, not on our level mm-hmm. i mean if you can get attached to some kind of like team where there's millions of dollars involved you know maybe doctors will go out there and you know not maybe you've seen it internationally you know people will do things that are uh you know <laughs> wrong yeah but for the most part if i walk in i mean think about it even just everybody you walk in and you try to uh get a prescription of pain pills or something that you shouldn't have um the that's almost near impossible nowadays Mm. because the attention's on it just so like just like peds the attention in our culture is on it do you really want to be a physician that gives drugs to an athlete Mm. they get that you know is being tested like crazy and probably isn't going to keep their mouth shut on where they got it from. Yeah. They're going to point right at you. And you're talking what? You know, uh, four years undergrad, four years graduate school, four years med school, three or four years in an internship. You know, I mean, being a physician is, a, you know, a 12 to 15 year life process. You're going to throw all that away to go ahead and, and slip some drugs to an athlete? I. I just, I mean, if you, it's weird. It's like you're smart enough to go ahead and do this, but you're stupid enough to go ahead and prescribe, yeah. you know, uh, a medication, you know, you know, to an athlete that's not warranted. So that tells me that even if the the the, the substance was banned, um, according to Usada, you know, um, 
she genuinely needs it, which makes me go to the next conclusion. If she genuinely needs it, what's wrong with her health right now? Like, why mm-hmm. is a, you would think a young, healthy athlete having to take, you know, some type of diuretic because her body's retaining too much fluids? It's like, you know, she's already started saying that, you know, she's still trying to recover from the weight loss yeah. from the last fight. That's why she's not taking these fights. It's, she doesn't want to have to cut down again and, and probably from the, uh, you know, instructions from her physician saying, Hey, you know, for right now, you don't need to be dropping 20, 30 pounds of weight again. You know, your body's still rebounding from the last time. We need to space this out. That to me kind of fits better than just, you know, she didn't want to, I, I don't know. It just, it seems much more logical to me. Sidebar question. Have you thought about when you come back, things that you're going to have to do differently or be more aware of just in everyday life in terms of supplement intake and prescription. I mean, anything that maybe you, you thought you were on top of before, but now that you've had this experience, you know, cause, cause there's always going to be, even though all the circumstances are not created equal, it's, it's always going to you know be there on the historical record. And so when you reemerge from that, there's going to be an awareness that wasn't there before in people's minds. Well, I was definitely more laid back and trusting of what was a supplement from a company. Yeah. And I pretty much just, I thought had a much more of a common sense approach to where if you handed me something that said, you know, uh, some weird name and I looked at it and goes for adding, you know, for boosting testosterone, mm-hmm. you know, all natural, even if it said all natural, I would look at what was the objective of the supplement. Oh yeah. And if you tell me you're a muscle building type supplement, then I, immediately that would draw flags in my brain. Be mm-hmm. like, eh, maybe not, you know? Uh, but you know, as far as like vitamins and, and, and different like fish oils and, and creatine or any of those things, I thought were, you know, uh, you know, those are good to go. Didn't even have to take a second glance at it. But now I'm so paranoid about it because I realize that the FDA does not uh, overlook the supplement company. Oversee. Yeah, regulate. It doesn't oversee yeah, it, yeah. those regulations. Yeah. So you have a company who's having something made from there. And it's not that they, you know, sometimes they do. Sometimes they intentionally put real you know drugs inside their supplements for the first six months to a year yeah i couldn't believe when i heard this i'm talking to them like yeah this this happens i'm like so why do they do that they're like well because if they have a real drug in there then you and your buddies you know buy it for the first couple months like holy shit product x is unreal Mm. and then you know then we can take it out before anybody's the wiser but then all we've already created enough of a uh a hype behind our product that it's gonna be two or three years before people realize that this shit don't work like you think it works because we took out the real drugs um it's like when you uh open the door and pull out the chair for the girl that you just started dating right do that for the first couple of months right right? till you get lazy (laughs) (laughs) there could be a blowjob in marriage joke there (laughs) so uh you know so and then so that's the intentional doping then you have the unintentional aspect of that you know some companies doing that and they're running through it isn't like each company designs their own protein powder yeah they put in what they want and they all pretty much go to the same uh, uh manufacturer so you know product a is coming out of this manufacturer and then once they're done with their batch supplement company b is getting their protein from the same exact place so if there's any 
uh, scrupulous actions or doping happening. Do you think they cleaned everything perfectly? It's, you know, I mean, look at now. If you go and you, uh, you know, s- certain food products, they'll let you know that they also produce, you know, nuts or peanuts from right, that same. on that same. Right, so saying, hey, we don't, equipment. we're not putting it in here, yeah. but because that's also here. So it's like, okay, well, that shows you that cross-contamination can occur. That's actually something that comes up with vegans a lot because we'll look at, first of all, we look obviously to make sure it says doesn't contain eggs or milk or whatever, but then depending on how strict you are about it, sometimes we'll also look at, okay, this may have, this, this product, although it's vegan, may have been produced in a facility that produces a dairy product and now you have your contamination from another product yeah um and and so there's all kinds of things that are driving me nuts yeah about uh uh, it's going to be different isn't it i mean you're going to have to be more vigilant i mean i I mean come on i'm a heavyweight you know i I walk to the table hey we're eating pizza today that works for me yeah you're not always you're not you're not inherently thinking about the weight cutting and all that kind of stuff i'm not so as far as uh you know in the past supplements you know like people a lot of it goes off of just who wants to sponsor me yeah you know for a while there i had uh this uh, uh, herbal company that, you know, makes all these like, you know, from a tree in South Africa, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, help, you know, your joints at night. I'm like, ah, shit, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but they were paying me money too. So that was kind of the first motivator. And it's like, oh, well, I don't want to sound like I'm full of shit when mm-hmm. a fan comes up to me, you know, you know, when I was sponsored by different, you know, uh, companies, I honestly do take the supplements. Yeah. Just because it's like, well, you know, the money's nice, and you know, hey, not gonna lie, that's probably what got my attention in the first place. When you, you know, your agent called up my agent and yeah. said, "Hey, we're gonna give you X amount of money if you take our stuff and and and, and uh, post about it." Oh, okay, you know, no yeah. problem. Send me your stuff. That's usually my next day. Been going like, I, I don't want to look like an idiot. Somebody corners me at a you know a signing, going, "Hey, which one's your favorite product?" And I yeah. got to look at him going. Um, Fuck, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I at least yeah. want to say that I'm taking it. So I can right. be like, well, yeah, you know, they go, hey, it upset my stomach. Like, oh, really? Not me, you know? <laughs> or, you know, vice versa. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, um, it was uh, it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of time spent on the ladies today on uh, this episode of Phone Booth Fighting, but they were the ones making the news. And in uh, Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunez's case, they're the ones that are going to be making big headlines this coming week as we get ready for a rare Friday night UFC pay per view. Uh, doing that because New Year's Eve falls on Saturday, and I guess the UFC didn't want to compete with New Year's Eve. Is that the way it used to be, like way, way back? Didn't the UFC originally have – no, or did they have cards on Sundays? No, I think it kind of just – we have to look at a map. Yeah. It kind of always worked out. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we've ever had a fight – on December thirty first. Yeah, I'm. I'm just talking about like in in pre modern era times. It seems like when the you like into the you know in the the forties kind of the UFC for the dark ages as they say. It seems like for some reason those in my mind were occurring on some night other than Saturday. Sometimes. Yeah, they used to actually when I first fought. My, I think my first two fights in the UFC were on Fridays. That's that's what I was asking. Yeah, yeah that this is a, kind of a. A, a throwback in that sense. But yeah, I think it was just they, this is the big end of the year card and they didn't want to do it on uh, New Year's Eve, which is fine because that means I'll be free to go see Cheap Trick on Saturday night. It's going to be a hell of a weekend for me. You know Cheap, Cheap Trick. Trick? No. You don't know Cheap Trick? Uh, oh, come on, man. You know that most of my education musically comes from you that's and Mrs. Okay. That's okay. We're, we're getting there. You know, uh, uh, you've heard uh, I want you to want me. Oh, yeah. I know that song. Yeah, them. Uh, they do... Uh, Mama's all right. 
Daddy's alright, but you seem a little weird. Surrender. No, that one I Surrender. can't say. Surrender. No. Okay. Uh, well, they they go. They're rock and roll hall of famers. They've got quite all the catalog. Well, you know but, what? Uh, I'll be on YouTube. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, we want to thank Real Water for uh, keeping us hydrated on this episode. Speaking of products that we really do use, that is one that uh, I am consuming uh, daily and in copious amounts. Uh, get real at drinkrealwater.com. They've also got another real MMA uh, fight promotion event coming up uh, this uh, uh, next month in January. January 27th, Friday night, January 27th at Samstown Casino here in Las Vegas. If you're going to be in the area, come out and watch some great amateur mixed martial arts. Uh, we're, uh, we're getting involved uh, with Real MMA and Real Water uh, extensively for 2017, and I uh, would love to have you come out and join us for the fights if you're going to be in the Vegas area. Speaking of being in the Vegas area, I will return to the stand-up comedy stage on New Year's Day night. Uh, at the Stratosphere Casino, the L.A. Comedy Club inside the Stratosphere Hotel and Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. That is going to be this Sunday, January 1st. If you're in Vegas, uh, hit me up on social media. Let me know. I'll be happy to put you and your friends and family on my guest list. Get you in free just because you are a phone booth fighting listener. Before we go, Frank, I've got a couple of uh, listener emails I just wanted us to share. Um we always like to read these, and you can always message us uh, either on our Phone Booth Fighting Facebook page or uh, phonebooththighting at gmail.com is the email address. Question for you, Frank. This comes from Chris Shannon. Chris says, Frank, are you going to produce videos showing your leg locks for sale? I would love to buy this. Thanks, Chris. An instructional leg lock, ankle lock heel hook series ever thought about anything like that yeah i thought about it but the only thing is uh, i'm traveling around doing seminars and that's kind of the uh well yeah that's true <laughs> meat and bones of what i do so i've always wondered that if you you show too much of your stuff on video then why would people have you come out to show them in person you know what this is a stand-up comedian's conundrum this is the same thing that stand-up comedians deal with because a lot of times when you see a guy uh, do a special like an HBO special that has usually been after a year of working that material on the road and that's why they never want to get filmed you know like with a cell phone camera or something when they're in a comedy club because that stuff you're seeing on that special you would have gone to see them live at any point over the last year and if you go ahead and see it on YouTube first then you're not going to watch that stand-up special yeah, so I mean I'm exactly there there you go uh, here read that one grab that one tell us who that's from and uh, what they have to say okay i got this from connor walsh uh hey guys big fan from ireland absolutely love the show i could listen to you guys to uh, wax lyrically all day i've been a fan of frank since he submitted brock and i've admired and inspired to his mindset ever since i have overworked underpaid job like everybody else and i have a three hour round commute every day I generally perks up my day when I see a new podcast has been uploaded. Keep up the good work and thank you. My question is, sorry for the essay, I have trained and competed in MMA since 2010, but over the last few years, I feel out of the sport and now have anxiety about returning. I don't really know if I want to fight again, but any tips or how I can break my mental procrastination? Cheers, guys. Warm regards, Connor. All right. Before Frank answers uh, that and gives advice, Mrs. Mir is trying to get his attention. She's leaving. Mrs. Mir has just announced that she's leaving. Oh, you just, 
Oh, just you're just running an error. You weren't catching my divorce. Not, not you're moving out. Yeah, I started to say, boy, that went incredibly smoothly. Okay, okay, yeah. You get Bella. Yeah. I'll take Ronan. Good, and we'll good split run. Cage back and yeah. forth. Okay, good. She's only running errands, folks. She'll be back. Okay, so uh, thoughts on that email? What do you think? Yeah, you know what? There's just no way to do it besides jumping in there. I wish there was a secret. You know. Uh, uh, I could tell you about that first initial step of going to the gym. But I think one is just setting your goals to be realistic that I just, hey, you know what? I'm not trying to fight right now. I just, I'm just i going to try to get back in the gym three days a week and and do so. And I, and I can kind of relate to uh, Connor in this way that when I take an extended amount of time off, uh, it sucks being a named fighter going back into a gym and everybody's in shape already and they're all training on a regular basis because there's kind of like that little, uh, I feel like a big game amongst a bunch of uh, hunters. Yeah. You know, everybody then it's like, oh, you know, Frank's a lot of shape right now. He's coming back in. They could jump on me and try to, you know, have a story they can go tell the missus when they come home how they, they worked me over. And if I focus too much on that it would limit me from going to the gym and training i try to do things to circumvent it a little bit you know like when i first now you know getting back in the gym after getting my hip surgery uh you know i've only been training with james horn because mm-hmm. i trust him not so much even just not to brag about whooping my ass mm-hmm. but you know if he gets me in a situation and i go to you know juke left and he goes right if he feels that my body is not in a position it should be he's not trying to beat me right to the point to where it's like well i'm just gonna let the position go you know frank didn't look comfortable there yeah uh and so there's that you know we're training and then they could build me up to where i can start going you know actually now the first of the year going back to drysdale's i'm trying to be in a certain level of shape because i can relate with connor going back in there you don't want to go in there dead dog out of shape so i guess one point of advice is if you can hook up with one of your buddies be like hey you know we're gonna go to the gym you know after class maybe you know when there's open mat time Will you work with me so it's a safe and I can start building up a certain level of confidence mm-hmm. before just jumping back in the mix with all the guys that are eager and ready to, you know, to be killers. And I think that can help, you know, kind of mitigate and, 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 and give you kind of a nice ramp. You know, like I tell everybody, I mean, Mrs. Mir is the worst about this. Well, like we've taken off pretty much all uh, Christmas vacation from the gym. You know, the kids are here. We're spending time with them. So, you know, my last time lifting was just before I, I, I went to Russia, the last time I've rolled around. So for this next two weeks, from you know, last week and the next week coming up, I'm absent from the gym. I'm spending time with the kids. It's vacation time for them. And so uh, it's going to be miserable on the first when we get back in the gym. But the difference is, is I'll jump out in there and go, okay, as long as I accomplish something today, yeah, more than I did yesterday, I'm going to feel good about myself. But I'm not trying to... I'm not getting ready for an Ironman today. Whereas, you know, so if I go out there, I'll do, you know, three sets of this, a little bit of that, some cardio, and then some stretching, and, you know, and be moderately sore the next day. Mrs. Mirror, man, I'm like, you know, I always try to tell her this analogy. It's like, look, the top of the mountain is two different directions. I can either walk at a 4% incline from very far away and get up the, the very yeah. shallow side of the mountain, and it takes me longer, but eventually I get up there, but a lot less drama yeah my wife wants to take the north side where it's a complete you know 90 degree you know straight up you know climb up the side of the mountain and it's like okay but that's gonna hurt and you're probably gonna injure yourself and you know and the chances of you being back in the gym in the, in the next couple of days are probably slim to none because you're not gonna be able to walk 
And so, <laughs> so you know, th- that's just kind of, you know, my approach. And so that's what I would say to Connor. Very long-winded answer, I guess, for your essay there. So we're, we're one for one against each other. Uh, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've thought that too, like, the the most frustrating thing for me if if i go back let's say i've i've you know taken a month off or something from from uh even just jujitsu training what what i think is the most frustrating is if i feel like my wind isn't there because in my head i've 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 still got something to give you know and mentally on the mat i've still got something to give but maybe if i feel like my cardio isn't I, I, like you said, going in just dead out of shape or tired or whatever, that's the most frustrating thing for me is kind of, it's like the proverbial liver shot. You know, you know, you want to keep going, but your body just didn't cooperate. Actually, that's pretty impressive because usually physical pain never deters my mindset. You know, mm-hmm. I've broken bones and kept on going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's conditioning that always can deter my mindset yeah do you know what i mean and i, I mean I, and i used to feel bad about that till one time I, it was a friend of mine that was in the military and he said he goes hey man we have a saying you know uh you know uh, fatigue makes cowards out of the strongest of men you mm. know? i'm like yeah oh yeah you know because he's like you know because it's true like as far as getting hit or getting choked or putting a submission those have never deterred me from wanting to succeed to win when my lungs are on fire and I'm getting tunnel vision and I can't see straight, that's a way that my brain is is broken to. I've broken to mental and physical exhaustion where yeah. it's just like, okay, I can't take another step. I can't lift my arms. That has made it to where, you know, then I, I break down mentally. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, that's something I've tried to learn and adjust with because, you know, uh, that's something that, you know, a good thing that fighters have is a sense of immortality that, you know, well, you know, uh, no matter what, I'm like, okay, hold on. I beg to differ. Everybody has a different breaking point and it adjusts, you know, some days it's higher, some days it's lower and everybody has different breaking points. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you put anybody in the octagon with me and I'm not going to, uh, you know, disengage. I mean, anybody in the street can walk up and go, Hey, we're going to have a fight. Okay. You know, no problem. I'll walk into that. You put me on the top of a 20 meter diving board and say, okay, dive off. I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> not going to happen. I'm not doing it. I mean, you'd have to, I mean, throw me <laughs> off because my brain says, screw that. We're not going there. So everybody yeah. has different weaknesses and strengths. And I think first is identifying what you have that, that correlates to, to fighting so that, you know, you know that, okay, I, I know that this is what's going to be hard for me. You're going to try to work to improve upon it, but then also I'm going to try to accentuate my other skill sets so that that doesn't become an issue as much. I'm like, all right, I don't want to fight a grinding, just take you down, take you down, take you down kind of fight. So I want to make it to where, oh, I'm going to really improve my submissions or my ability to knock you out. That way, you know, it'll slow the fight down because you have to slow down too because, you know, if we roll together – and you just want to go ape shit, I'll probably submit you. You're going to have to slow your, your pace down and really look and be safe for when you're passing and when you're moving and where you're controlling. So now I've just made my skill set help accentuate and disguise some of my weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, all, all excellent But first points. it comes from acknowledging what you're bad at. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, good advice there. Uh, one more here before we wrap up. This one from Matt, uh, Matt M. Frank. And this goes back a few weeks uh, when, uh, if you remember the controversial co-main event of the welterweight title fight between uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you and I both thought that uh, if – that uh, Wonderboy had pulled that out. Of course, the fight ended in a in a draw where Woodley retained the fight. But Matt has uh, well, something. the draw on the two judges' card. I agreed with. Yeah, it's the third judge that gave uh, the win to Woodley. Right, yeah. right. And so that is uh, Doug Crosby. Now, here's what uh, Matt had to offer about uh, that judging. He said, "Hi, Richard and Frank. Enjoyed listening to your podcast where you were discussing the strange scoring of round one in the Woodley Wonderboy fight." where one judge staggeringly gave it 10-8 to Woodley, but only gave round four as a 10-9. I'm just confused uh, why you... <laughs> You're not supposed, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, uh, I'm just confused why you didn't make a point of pointing out that the judge who gave this ridiculous score was none other than the notorious Doug Crosby. Well, I guess I, I, I didn't know that there was an issue here. He's, he's actually educating me to something here, and you can tell me if you've heard about this or not. Doug Crosby has a history of giving some very dodgy decisions, and on top of that, he has very public issues with Ray Longo and Matt Serra going back to an Al Iaquinta fight he judged. Longo and Sarah have connections to Wonder Boy, and I know Longo thinks there is no way Crosby should have been judging this fight. Uh... Well, he's so inept, he shouldn't be judging any fight, but especially not one involving someone associated with Longo. Uh, I wonder if you even knew about this. Uh, Ariel Hawani did not mention it on his podcast either, but John Anik and Kenny Florian did mention it on theirs. That is from Matt Bristol in uh, over in the UK. Thanks for the email, Matt. I've never heard anything about that. No, in fact, I mean, I don't know what to reply to that. News Actually, to me. Matt, you just kind of educated us on that. Yeah. Uh, that is strange. I mean, I would think that if the commission had heard that one of their judges has any kind of ties, negative or positive, with one of the other fighters, that right. uh, that would be enough to disqualify them from judging an event. Because even if you are able to stay unbiased as a judge, people are going to call that into question, just as now Matt has done and how it seemed like uh, you know uh, uh, Kenny and uh, John were able yeah. to do on their podcast. And, you know, those type of things, you know, they start out small, but they trickle and gain momentum. And, and um, you know, when they go to rematch each other, that might be a very center of attention, uh, front and center topic, because it is weird. I mean, I, I can't, you and I going back, I gave the first and fourth rounds to uh, Tyrone. Right. That's what I remember. And either the fourth round is a 10-8 or it's a 10-9. And even that, I would argue both ways because you sit there and go, well, it's a 10-8 round for Tyrone Woodley. I'm like, I agree. Up until the last 15 to 20 yeah. seconds of the fight where now Wonder Boy's on top raining down punches and Woodley looks spent. It wasn't like he just got reversed and fought back out. Woodley's tongue is hanging outside the octagon. And that's why it's a 10-9 for me because a 10-8 to me has to be total dominance beginning to end where the person uh, at the disadvantage looks to be in imminent danger of being finished. True. You know, and and so, I mean, if you had still given it a 10-8, I don't think, I mean, I think right now we're splitting hairs, yeah. you know? Uh, the fact that it's a 10-9, like you said, you can articulate, you know, why it's not a 10-8. I, I'm not going to argue. It's like, okay. But, you know, <laughs> that, again, uh, that judge to give the first round a 10-8 
and not give the fourth round a 10-8, it's like, okay, well, then you really, I mean, it just shows such an inconsistency with even within his own scoring system. Mm-hmm. You look at it, and if you were a fighter going, okay, what do you need to do to require a 10-8? I'm like, this. You're like, okay, well, then this is a 10-8, right? No. What? Okay, it, it just, I think a lot of us watching it. You know what, though? On that note, fighters are responsible as far as we have to give interviews about mistakes we make in a fight. You know, the people that have the worst fucking job are the referees. I feel bad for the referees because they got to make decisions based upon a fighter's health and his career in split fucking yep. seconds. You yep. know what I mean? And then they have to, you know, they, they get the, uh, you know, the criticism of every Sunday morning quarterback or Monday morning quarterback going, hey, you know, uh, you should have done this, should have done that. And I'm like, well, maybe the referee agrees with you now that he's also had you know, a day to watch the film and sit on it and digest it. Yeah. But I mean, he made that decision based upon the difference between one extra punch, one less punch. You know, is do I let that kick land? Do I not let that kick land? You know, is the guy gonna fight back or is he just gonna, you know, get a one hell of a concussion? Am I gonna look like an asshole? You know? Uh-huh. And so, you know, but they're expected then they go out and they explain their well, this is what I saw, this is what I you know, you know, what I was seeing, this is why I thought this way. Judges don't seem to have to do that. Yeah. I wish judges had to do that. It's after a fight. Go out there. I mean, you don't have to do it on an interview. Fucking blog about the shit. Uh, Give me a round-by-round description of what you were seeing and why you judged it the way you judged it. Because, one, it'll help educate us. Maybe we're stupid. Maybe I don't see what you're seeing, and you can point out why you're correct in your judging assessment. And I can sit there and go, ah, I stand corrected. But it's like anything. If I sit there and go, hey, what do you think of that girl? And you're like, she's a 10. Really? I, I don't know. I, I see this. I see that. And you just look at me and go, she's a 10. Really? You don't want to give me any feedback? Let me know what you're thinking. You know, well, why do you judge it this way? Why do you not judge it? This way? Hey, how come you're not marking this off? You know, you know, yeah. I, people break down, you know, first giving an opinion, which is what judging is doing is only one half of the battle. I think articulating your opinion is the other half. And then I think also on top of that, I think it would make for better judges because I think if they had to be count accountability for what they're saying, instead of going, well, I just mark the paper and I just run off into the back room when the fight's over with. I think that would uh, increase the quality of our judging because it's like if you judge it well, you know, I really thought that this was awesome. And then the, as a group, there's backlash. Yeah. You know, all the fans are like, you're a retard for thinking that. Um, they might make adjustments in their own judging going, yeah, you're right. I guess if a guy gets his face punched in for four minutes and the other guy lands one double leg takedown, I can't really give the double leg takedown guy the victory, you know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess we will be keeping a closer eye moving uh, forward in 2017 on Doug Crosby. Normally, uh, Adelaide Bird is uh, my default punchline for for judging. Oh, we but found another uh, one. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks to uh, to Matt. There, we'll uh, we'll be keeping a closer eye on uh, on him. All right, that's going to do it for phone booth fighting. Uh, you can follow me. On social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Richard Hunter. I'm on Facebook at Official Richard Hunter. Same for Frank. Official Frank Mir on Facebook and The Frank Mir on Twitter and Instagram. Frank? 
you're on. And you can find the show on Facebook and Instagram on Phone Booth Fighting. And if you want to follow us on Snapchat and Twitter, it's just Phone Booth Fight. That's it. For Frank, I'm Richard. Merry Christmas and happy holidays, everybody. And we will be back with you in just a few days. Christmas will be over, but New Year's will be right around the corner. And it's fight week here in Las Vegas, UFC 207. The return of Ronda Rousey, the Bantamweight title on the line, Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrandt. So much more to talk about. And uh, we'll be doing that on the next episode of Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. That one, yeah. <laughs> Start with the do, all right.